Welcome to A for No, B for Yes. Welcome back to A for No, B for Yes, the Zelda podcast that's going to cover Ocarina of Time and who knows what else in the future. Last week's episode, we covered Goron City and Dodongo's Cavern, and this week we're heading into Zora's Domain, Lake Hylia, and well, who knows what might happen after that. I'm Cameron Hagee, and these are my friends going to be covering the cast with me. I'm your co-host, Ryan Fonzie. And I'm your other co-host, Anthony. And I guess we're probably just going to get heading right into the route that takes us to Zora's Domain off of Hyrule Field. Right. Um, okay, so we've all played the game before, right? Of course. Oh, yeah. So we all, so we all know which way to go. Um, I tried to look at this a lot from the perspective of someone who had never played the game before. It's very hard to do since I had played the game. But I'm pretty sure there's no pointers except for maybe a sign outside of Kakariko. That says that it's Zora's River and kind of points the way. If you don't know that, you could search the entire field looking for Zora's domain and, and not realize that you like ran away from it right at the start. I'm not, I don't think you guys struggled with that at all, but I'm just saying it's going to be a theme. A lot of what's, uh, a lot of this section of the game, you know, looks like they don't, they don't point out a whole lot to you. They don't tell you a whole lot. Take your best guess. You kind of just have to play it and, uh, stumble upon a few things. Um, yeah. Okay, disclaimer. Um, This is one of the most widely disliked parts of this game. Uh, This and the other water levels in this game. Yeah. Anything with water in Zelda is just not taken too lightly. Yeah, I remember listening to a video game donkey uh, video recently where he talked about uh, Super Mario Odyssey. And one of the jokes that he made was that it's so good that the water levels are good. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like honestly one of the highest compliments I've ever heard somebody give a video game. And it's because of situations like this. Even Ocarina of Time was not immune to the the water level. It's a bad level <laughs> uh, syndrome, I guess. It's it's no good. Um, that and it's also an escort mission. So double bad. It's kind of it's running a few a few big uh, video game blunders. All the bad parts of video games. Um, so hopefully we can. Um, you know, we can get through this without too many complaints, without too many uh, kind of voicing our own dislikes for it. Um, I don't think any of us particularly enjoyed playing it, and we're kind of more looking forward to just talking about it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. Playing playing this part of the game is, especially if you've done it before, not the best. <laughs> like, if, if you're going into it fresh, then you can at least be like, okay, let's see what this is about. But when you know, oh, you know. <laughs> I didn't even know there was no real like intention to like send you into this place. I I never really paid attention to that because I obviously knew where to go. But do they really not tell you where to go? Like no one's like, hey, so there's this like place over there. Uh, I don't think so. I think Navi might mention something, but I don't know if she says. I don't know if she outright calls out Sora's domain. I can imagine some someone like goes to Lake Hylia and is like, oh, there's water here. This must be what she meant. Oh, jeez. Uh- yeah, I mean, the the other thing is I know that, um, and the only reason I know this is because I checked, um, if you use Saria's song to contact Saria, because that's, you know, the other power that the song has, she will tell you that you're looking, like, she'll basically say, oh, you're looking for spiritual stones. Uh, I think King Zora has the last one, so go check with him. But she doesn't tell you, like, where it is or anything. Like, she doesn't, <laughs> like, yeah. like, Zora's domain is definitely a a bit hidden. It's not super hidden, like, it's... It's like once you've been there once, you'll always remember where it is, and it's not hard to find. But um, 
but there aren't too many pointers. Unless you get super lucky running left of Kakariko, you just nail it on the first try. I don't remember my first playthrough or how, how difficult it was for me to find Zora's Domain at all. There is a part later on that I will be talking about my difficulties when I had my first time playing through, but this one, I maybe I just got lucky and was like, hey, the river goes somewhere and ended up just finding it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I used Google on my Windows 98 dial-up internet to try to find out where to go most of this game. <laughs> that's, that's, a, sounds, that's a callback. Sounds legit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got that dial-up. Oh, man. I think I, I probably saw somebody else play it or probably played it with somebody else. I don't remember. I mean, I remember seeing somebody play through Jabu Jabu, but I don't remember seeing them get there in the first place. So I don't know how I figured it out the first time. Trial and error. Yeah. Trial and error. But um, but yeah, there's a few things. I mean, there are some hints. Um, a lot of them aren't outright, and I think there's a reason for that. I mean, I know we've talked about you know our our color scheme. We can jump right back to that as an introduction, right? Of things to be looking out for, I guess. Um, so green is courage, red is power. This is our first blue area because it's all water. Um, the Zoras are a proud aquatic race. Um, so they live hidden away in Zora's domain, which is upper a huge river, um, not huge in terms of width. It's just a, a quite a, a hike to get up the river. It's like a canyon. Um, I think you spend more time climbing this river than you do climbing the mountain to get to uh, Goron City. So there's that. Um, they're behind a waterfall. And when you get inside, uh, a lot of the color scheme is definitely blue. The people are blue. The water's blue. The king is blue. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's caused that this should be our first uh, encounter with wisdom. Um, you know, our first area of growing in that, of growing in our wisdom, our first area of meeting people who are wise. Mm. The problem is, is that that is not what we get nope. at all. Yeah, no, not. Um, not to say that the Zoras are dumb. Like, that's not it. <laughs> I mean, the king doesn't seem to have a lot to share with you, but um, but they don't particularly seem wise either. I mean, they've... Uh, they have uh, maybe like two central things that they care about, and that is the princess who's missing and Lord Jabu Jabu, who um, I think maybe only one person in the entire place kind of mentions that something's wrong with him, and that's the king. <laughs> and that's not until you've like broken through his his whole deal. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you guys already knew what to do, right? So. Like, what yeah. was your first impression of these Zoras? Like, did you take any time to talk to them or even, like, kind of I'm not going to lie. See what they were up to? I didn't at all. <laughs> I, feel like, okay. I feel like I did more stuff in the canyon to get to Zora's Domain. There, I think there's more there than there is to do in Zora's Domain. Like, the bean guy, there's a cuckoo heart piece, there's some singing frogs. I mean, that's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, talking about the, uh, the color scheme... I noticed that when you first get into that area, you talk to Kabora Gabora, and he mentions that we look stronger, like we have more power, and we just happen to come from the red area where, you know, whole representation of power and everything. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, then, yeah. then, like Anthony said, there's if you take a cuckoo from the beginning and run all the way to the very end, you can glide to get a heart piece. And there's a dude who sells beans that'll be useful later. And that's that's pretty much the gist of it. There's another heart piece, and I don't remember how to get to it. I think you need the bean guy. Yeah, I think you got to plant a bean right next to him. Yeah. Something like that. It'll take you all the way up the river, and then you can jump off of it at the right time to get the heart piece. I, uh, I did talk to the Zoras, though, 
and only one of them had anything that was even remotely useful. And that is the guy that said that all the water in all of Hyrule comes from Zora's domain. Yeah. Comes from Zora's fountain specifically. So when we need to end up finding something that's lost later, it doesn't really tell you where to go to find it, but you know that from what this guy says, all water is going to come from there and is going to go to one final point, which is Lake Hylia. Yeah. And I, I wanted to kind of bring that up too, because um, one of the things, I mean, Kabora Kabora at the beginning of the river shares that the Zoras serve the royal family uh, by protecting this water source. And then when you get up there, the, the Zora who talks about the water source says that all the water comes from Zora's fountain and that it makes its way all the way south to Lake Hylia. But it, he also says that it goes all the way south through Zora's river to Lake Hylia, um, which I don't think is accurate. Um, I'm pretty sure if you if you follow the river, it goes out to uh, Hyrule Field and then it curves over and goes straight over to the castle moat. <laughs> um, well, to the castle city moat, I should say. Um, and it would have to keep going like through the woods or something because at that point it cuts off. Um which would imply that maybe the water is actually going to the castle in that direction. But there is a door at the bottom of Zora's domain that goes directly out to Lake Hylia. So it's not that it goes through the river to Lake Hylia. It actually just goes right through the, right through the, unless the whole room that you're in, in Zora's domain is considered Zora's river, then it, the water flow is not what he describes. Isn't like the water that's connected to the castle. Doesn't that flow past um, the castle? towards the gates you can't get to, and then that actually flows out to the Garadu River, which goes to Lake Hylia. Like, that could be what he means. Because um, that water, it's connected to the castle, which is then connected. There's, like, a gate you can't go past in the moat, like, near the castle bridge, and then that goes to the, the Garadu Valley. Does that water go to Garadu Valley? How do you know that? I mean, I don't know that, but it goes to that direction, and then the, there's a waterfall there, which is oh, from the direction of the castle area. Yeah, maybe it does wrap out all the way that way, because I know there's a big castle wall, and that's the gate, right, that goes underneath? Okay. Yeah, yeah and then, then the, I think there is a continued river on the other side, right? And the water's flowing underneath there. Something like that. Okay, yeah. so yeah, maybe it does make its way all the way around to Lake Hylia, too. But he wasn't okay, lying. No, he wasn't lying. You're <laughs> right. He's right. It does do that. It also goes through the doorway at the bottom of their domain. <laughs> Because that's that's a much shorter path. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm hoping that this water doesn't go into the actual castle, but maybe it does. Um, part of the issue I take with the Zoras being in charge of protecting the entire water source and that it all comes from Zora's fountain is that all the water that comes from Zora's fountain goes directly underneath the king's butt. So um, <laughs> that and there's a giant <laughs> fish swimming in Zora's fountain. So it can't be like the cleanest water. I mean, maybe it's all natural. Maybe when it goes through all the different waterfalls, it gets purified. But like magic, my dude's just sitting in it. Like everyone's swimming in it. Like magic, it's all downstream, man. It's no good. Maybe, maybe King Zora sitting in it because he's King Zora. You know, maybe he purifies the water himself. That's why he's not allowed to move. Oh yeah, he just sits there. That's why he's so big. The water's just like yeah. filtering through him. <laughs> yeah. It's a strange life, man. <laughs> it would yeah. be. All right. Well, there's a few uh, other things that I guess we could harp about in the Zor's domain. Um, there is a store that you can go in. There's not really anything mm -hmm. of value in this store. What do you mean? They sell, f they sell fresh fish. Didn't you read the sign? Yeah. For only, only 200 rupees, was it? Listen. <laughs> just empty out your adult wallet you didn't need that money yeah well, 
If if you guys have an adult wallet. I actually got my adult wallet while playing this section. Did you? Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I advise you guys not to buy fish from there. They're just trying to trick you. So yeah. Well, it's not like if you walk out and look to the left, you can see like seven of them swimming around yeah, or anything. No. That would just be crazy. No, not at all. <laughs> and you need a bottle either way. Uh, so, yeah. We do. You could also waste your rupees on a blue tunic that you cannot utilize yet. So, there's that. Well, it costs 300 gold, so you, I don't think you can get that yet. Oh, no, you yeah. probably can't. I was thinking of the, the red one is 200. You can buy the Goron tunic, not the Zora tunic. Oh. Does the game actually let you wear it, or does it say it's too big for you? It's too big for you, it says. Yeah. Uh, but you can have uh, it. You can buy it. You just have to hold on to it until you grow. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's that. Um, there's the Zora's Domain light fixtures it's like a little secret path you start at the top of zora's domain and then run with a deku stick all the way down to the bottom if you do it right you can do it in one light and get the heart piece which forms around the seven fishes that we were talking about before at the bottom of the domain and then the last thing to even do in this dora's domain i just said dora's domain you did my bad zora's domain <laughs> the return of dora Zora. <laughs> yes, Dora's return. Um, so this diving game is at the very top of the fountain, kind of like past the king in a little hallway. And you talk to the Zora there, you pay 20 rupees, and he's like, all right, go fetch these rupees, man. So you jump down, you get the rupees. Once you get the rupees, you climb back up, and he gives you the silver scale, which lets you dive deeper i think it's like a six second timer instead of three right it is and doing this um doing this now is your best it's your most efficient route i mean you could go all the way out to lake hylia and get what you need to progress the story without doing this but if you have that scale it allows you to dive deep enough to get the shortcut to go out to lake hylia and also funnily enough it costs 20 rupees to play it and he throws 20 rupees into the water for you to just get back as you play the game so even if you don't finish it chances are you got more than half of your rupees back and how long do you guys remember how long it takes you to uh took you to beat it the first time because that's like took track of my time to see how fast i could do it i did not oh, keep track know. of that i will say i did i did get it my first time especially this playthrough i mean last playthrough i think i did as well yeah it's not a very hard game um i remember like him throwing minute, right? five blue rupees so i think i made a five rupee profit oh do you make more off of it you know if you do it again he actually throws more yeah. If you do it again, yeah, he throws like a fortune down there. It's it's worth yeah. playing if you're trying to make rupees. I got it in like 15 seconds. Nice. Oh, wow. Master Diver over here. I got basically as fast as you can. I even let go of the button early before you hit the actual bottom so that he would start coming up faster. I was like speed running it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I thought, I think I, I made a mistake. I thought that this was one of the mini games where after you beat it for the story, you can go back and try to like break a record to get a heart piece. Um, but that is not the case. So I went and played it again <laughs> and I think I got every rupee and then he was like, wow, great job. And that was the end of it. And I was like, all right, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> Disappoint. You do get a buttload of money though. Yeah. Doesn't he throw red ones in there too? If you do it another time, he, he puts some nice stuff down. I'm pretty sure he throws red and possibly a purple. Don't Whoa, quote yeah. me on that, but possibly you think he throws a purple somewhere this, down there. This game is silly with the rupees. I just got to say that it's, um, you you always have more money than you need usually and none of the stores sell you anything that you actually need to buy and when i say that i mean like literally none of them i mean th i think there's only a few things that you need money for and that's like 
getting Epona. <laughs> so we haven't even <laughs> talked about that yeah. yet. Um, I mean, some mini games, you got to have money to play them, but you don't need them for the stores. You know, usually you end up overstocked on rupees. But it, it does. It's a nice like extra resource, though, because if you do struggle in the game, you can buy red potions to get yourself through it. Or if you run low on arrows and you happen to be in a town, you could go and buy arrows just because you have so many rupees because you can just get them so easily. So it's nice to have the surplus of them. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So, yeah, I mean, this game's fun. I think um, one thing point I want to make, I mean, I, we talked about blue being wisdom, right? And I talked about how the Zoras themselves aren't really, they don't really present themselves as very wise. Um, what I will say is that this area is geared around testing your wisdom as a player. Um, I think that's the reason why there's very little clues. I mean, I shouldn't say there's very little clues. Each Zora tells you something that's adjacent to what you need to do. Um, one of them will ask you if you've ever seen Jabu Jabu. You, if you say no, he's like, oh, you, everyone should see him at least once. <laughs> if you say yes, he says, oh, you know, if the legend says if you give him a fish, you'll become happy. Um, which it's, it's just weird the way it's phrased. It's like, you'll just be happy. It's like, well, that's not mm-hmm. my, that's not my goal right now. <laughs> my goal is to get a spiritual my goal is to get stone. some stones, man. <laughs> right. Um, there's another guy who says you got to try out the diving game. Um, which is very useful, and that's what we just got done talking about. You know, you. is there any other female Zoras aside from the princess in this game? No, uh, no I don't think so. I, I mean, yeah, if the if we're assuming that all the female Zoras have the same like anatomy with the different shaped head and the everything, like then no, there's no other there's no other female Zoras. In other games, sometimes it's as small a detail as like they just have softer eyes and they're a little bit on the shorter side, but I still don't think that there yeah, is one. In Majora's Mask, you can one. tell, but in this game, I just wasn't sure because I, I didn't talk to any in this playthrough aside from the shop owner and the diving game guy. So yeah, so I guess I had a couple of their clues to go through <laughs> with the Zoras. Um, like we already mentioned the one who said that the water goes all the way to Lake Hylia. Um, and there is one who mentions that the princess is missing and that they have searched as far as Lake Hylia. Which would make you think, okay, well, I don't need to search as far as Lake Hylia then because clearly the Zora's already done it. But that's complete wrong thinking. Um, the fact that two different people have mentioned Lake Hylia um, is actually one of your biggest clues that that's exactly where you should go. I was just going to say, and, and the fact that Zora or Lake Hylia hasn't been mentioned at all, but it's an area that you can access would mean that it's like probably someplace that you should be going soon. Right. And it's another water spot too. So it kind of makes sense. I mean, if you, if you follow the same pattern- yeah as the other places you've already been, um, at least Goron City, right? Like you didn't just go to Goron City. You also had to veer off and go to Lost Woods and come back. Um, so this one, like the veer off and come back is actually Lake Hylia. Um, but if you know what you're doing, it's a way shorter trip. Um, if you don't, I, I imagine it could be very confusing and you wouldn't really know what it is you're looking for. Yeah. Um, but if you get that scale to dive and you go to Lake Hylia that way by going through that door at the bottom of the domain, um, right outside that door in Lake Hylia is like a trail of green rupees that leads you right to what you need, um, which is a bottle, another empty bottle. But it's not empty. It's got a note in it. Um, and if you if you read the note, it's from Princess Rudo, the missing princess that a few people have talked about. Um, I should say a few uh, one person uh, besides the king has talked about. And, um, it basically says I'm inside Lord Jabu Jabu's belly. Um, I'm waiting for you, but it doesn't say who the you is. It's not addressed to anybody. Um, please help. 
uh, also, P.S. Don't tell my dad, which is your <laughs> next clue that that's exactly what you should do is go tell her dad. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's so great. Oh my goodness, kids, man. So that that underwater door that we took to get to Lake Hylia. If you don't see that happenstance or by doing the diving game, is there any NPC or way that you would ever know that that's actually there? Nobody points it out, no. I don't think. I mean, no. the diving game. Nobody mentions it. I think the diving I game mean, is supposed to be it. the biggest pointer because that's when you're actually like swimming through the water. And sometimes you will throw a rupee pretty close to it. Um, but, you know, without without throwing it so far that you can't actually dive to it. You know, you always throw it in water shallow enough, but sometimes there is one that's further out and you like it kind of like hints at it. Oh, that's fair enough. All right. So once you get the bottle, we're in Lake Hylia. There is a few things for you to do if you don't want to go back to Zora's Domain. Uh, I actually didn't go back, by the way, through the little hole at the bottom of Zora's Domain. I went all the way back through the field. There was no real reason why I did it, but I did find something interesting when I did it. So there is a few things for you to do here. There is the Lake Hylia Fishing Hut. There is the Scientist's Laboratory. I think Kapora Gabora is also somewhere in the middle of Lake Hylia. There is also a Scarecrow. So I don't know if you guys want to add anything to those locations at all. No, I didn't. I didn't actually venture out that far. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I went fishing. I talked to the Scarecrows, but I didn't go across the lake or anything. I didn't go talk to Gabora Gabora or anything like that. In fact, I think if you do at this stage, you'll be like, why'd you come this far out? And then you like give you a ride back to shore or something like that. He gives you a ride back to the cast. Uh, you can deny him. You can be like, nah, I won't go. Yeah. Also, if you deny him and then you pull back the grave and then you jump into the hole and come back up, you like kind of jump up through him because he's back on the grave again, willing to talk to you and take you back to uh, the square yet again. That's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, I did the fishing game and I ended up getting mad at it and I couldn't catch it. And I even looked online for like how to catch it and even tried that a few times and still couldn't get it and got annoyed and left. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so here's it. Okay. I was going to say the strategy of doing it is there's there's a you have to catch a 10 pound fish to get that. Yeah, I know. And you want to go in and you want to go to the log that's to the left and then you want to throw off to the leftish area and at least you'll see it and maybe it won't bite. And I did that and it just didn't work ever. I did it for an hour. It was horrible. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a there's a log. Yeah, I know the strat. And yeah, there's a branch that's like red at the tip for some reason sticking out of the water. And that's the one you kind of want to aim for. Um, and yeah, that fish will just stare at it and not bite and stare at it and not bite. And like, you have to cast a million times at it. And then eventually like just from RNG, it'll be like, all right, time to bite. And then it'll grab on. And then even then you can lose it pretty easily. It's like one of the easiest fish to break off the line. Um, yeah, because I did get it on the line four times and it broke off all four times. Also part of the, Hey, I'm not going to do this. Yeah, if it breaks off, I think it swims to the middle of the lake and it sits there for a little while and you can still kind of get its interest over there, but odds are there's some other fish in the middle of the lake that's going to bite it way sooner. Yeah. Um. So you just got to wait until it goes back to the log if you want it to be easy. And then even then it's it goes back to being the RNG game. Like there's a lot of things wrong with it, but if you do get it, it's a it's a heart piece. Um. Honestly, I find the fishing game kind of relaxing overall, so um, it didn't bother me too much that I had to try so long because I was just like chilling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was trying to speed run that as well. Frustrated. Yeah, <laughs> speed running it is not is not fun. 
Yeah, no, it was not. Can agree. I'll get it eventually. At some point, I'll do what you're doing, Fonz, and I'll just be chilling, and I'll just, you know, relax and take my time at the pond, and not not be in a rush and want to do it 100 percent in 20 minutes, or else, grr. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you also, once you get the 10 pound fish, I believe the secret lure spawns on a sort of. They don't really tell you where, but it spawns like near some lily pads near a log by the shore on the like north side, I think. Uh, but you can't do anything with it right now. I think you got to be an adult for that. I'm pretty sure you have to be an adult for that. I'm sorry. What what spawns by the lily pads? The secret lure. It spawns in the actual fishing yeah. game. Yeah, there's a secret lure that spawns in, and it's what you. So you mm. can only, as a kid, catch a 10 pound fish or 12 pound, I believe. As an oh, adult, I got nine pound, and they gave me the hard piece for that. Oh, okay. Mm. Well, then you need like an eight to ten, I think. Um, but you can only catch like a 15 pound fish with the secret lure with the adult link. So I don't think you can actually utilize it right now, but it does spawn once you get the heart piece. Oh, once you get the heart piece. Okay. I knew it spawned after you got the heart piece, but I just didn't know where. I thought it was outside of the fishing game even. No. I thought it spawned before the heart piece. I was always looking for it and I couldn't find it. I was like, where is this thing? I know there's one in here. Mm -hmm. I think if you use Mm -hmm. the lure as a kid, um, when you come back as an adult, I think there's a sign that says no, no lures like other than the one provided or something like that. <laughs> like they, they throw no something cheating. in there, like on a, on a, on a sign somewhere that says like, Hey, don't do that. <laughs> it's kind of funny, <laughs> but do it anyway. Uh, well, yeah. So yeah, there's, yeah. there's the fishing game. Uh, there's the scarecrow. If you play him a customized song of your choosing, uh, he will remember the song and it can be used later in the game which we'll talk about another day. But just know he memorized, like, memorizes a song that you can play him. Yeah. That's I, about I've it. I've had trouble with him a couple times. I mean, I tried to play him a song. He's like, nope, I don't know that one. And I'm like, what does that mean? You're just <laughs> supposed to memorize it. <laughs> nah, man, then, I don't um, like that one. I think I even went to him, because like in a different playthrough, I went to him in the future and played him the same song. And he was like, yeah, sorry, bud. Don't know what that is. And I'm like, that's the one I played for you when I was a kid. You said you would remember <laughs> <laughs> he didn't liar you um, promise, so, you promise. so i must have just done it the wrong way or something but it didn't work for me huh. i gotta i gotta try again this playthrough I, I, the only thing is like you can't i know the only like stipulation is it has to be a full eight notes long and it can't use a repeat note so you can't be like a a other than that it's like fair game oh man i mean that's probably the problem then <laughs> it's like fair game you can like do i all, all i did was do a down, A down, A down, A down, A down for eight notes. And he was like, oh, that's a great song. I'll remember that one. I was like, awesome. Nice. I'll have to remember that and go back. Yeah, such a great song. So, yeah, then after the Scarecrow, there's the Scientist Lab. You can't really do much there yet until you're older. And then the thing that I actually wanted to talk about was, so I left Lake Hylia through the gate. I didn't go through the Zora's Domain. I went through the gate. I started going through the field. And I actually went like across to the left of the gate. So Kepora Gebora is sitting on one of the arches on the gate. And I left through the left of it and then I kept going. And I get to the area where it's like around the entrance to Gerdu Valley. And then I saw Kepora Gebora sitting on like one of the arches over there. And I'm like, wait a minute, I just saw you. What? So I turn around and I saw him still sitting on the arches over by Lake <laughs> So then I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. This is like Inception. So I'm like turning around and there's two K-Pora gay boars just chilling. I'm like, whoa, he has a brother. 
<laughs> it's like, what the Yeah. I think you sent us a video of that. He was like 10 steps away. Like you could see him one area and then you turn around and you like run a little bit yeah. over and he's right there. And it's just, yeah. The programming game definitely man. glitched. Cause I, I wasn't supposed, I think I was supposed to leave out of the, you know, the fountain. I don't know how you guys like went back to Zora's domain, but I don't think you were supposed to go out to Hyrule Field <laughs> or you were supposed to use Kepora Gebora like to transport to the castle. But yeah, I, I broke the game. <laughs> well, just that yeah part. it's kind of funny i don't think there's any real consequence for it but that's, nah that's cool i actually <laughs> talked the to video him was very amusing like he he said like you know the thing about zor he like you should get back to zor's domain at the entrance like kylia and then the one over here he was like yeah this is garadu's valley and i was like oh awesome why were you in two places at once explain that <laughs> why are you telling me about this place i don't have to go yet yeah right explain that great um so yeah so if we listen to his advice i guess um we have that bottle now right with uh princess rudo's letter um we go tell her dad about it right i'm just kind of getting this back on track a little bit um and he's like oh like she went inside jabu jabu why would she do that basically and he's like you know what can you go in and save her help her out you know um you must go at once or whatever and he kind of spends i think a full half a minute kind of scooting over to the right um after he gave you that charge to like go at once, um, which is kind of funny. Moip, moip, <laughs> yeah, moip. Pre- pretty much. Do you want to do them all, or do you just want to like what's your? I wasn't gonna do fifteen moips. <laughs> oh no, no, you misunderstand my intentions, my guy. I'm not the king. Moip. <laughs> oh man, I was done. He, he, one more. Moip, moip, moip. Yes. So. So yeah, I think he even ends this phrase with um, shouting Zora, like it's some kind of like huzzah statement, like it's you know, go rescue the princess Zora, like you know, it's it's funny. <laughs> um, so you go out there, um, and you're faced with Lord Jabu Jabu, who is one of the dopiest looking fish. He's beautiful, dopey whale. Uh, <laughs> he sort of looks like if an Indian elephant was aquatic do, do you know the vibe i'm yeah he's got he's got he's got like a headdress on yeah. for sure yeah um i know what you're talking about yeah <laughs> it's um it's interesting it's uh i don't know i mean he's there he doesn't talk to you i mean he's he's literally like guardian spirit fish thing kind of like the tree was the guardian of the forest Except he, he doesn't talk as far as we know. I think he complains if you slash him, but I never do that. I've just heard of that happening. He um, is the patron deity. So you know that uh, everybody's, you know, every, everything's about the fish, right? So um, there was a Zora who said, oh, if you feed him a fish, it'll make you happy. There's the shop that's like, we sell fresh fish because, you know, they're just, the game's just kind of poking hints at you like, hey, hey, maybe, maybe a fish. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, so that's how you get in. Um, I don't think the hints are strong enough for the, I mean, me as a kid, I don't, I think I must've seen that happen or I must've had someone tell me to do that. Cause I don't think I would have listened to the, just the NPCs that were asking me about Jabu Jabu. Like you had, you had to talk to that one specific guy or look it up, I guess. But I want to yeah. destroy my intelligence and my integrity here. Uh, I sat in front of Jabu Jabu this playthrough as an adult for about 20 minutes trying to get this guy to open it, and I could not figure it out for 
the life of me. I shot him with slingshots. I shot his eyeball with a slingshot. <laughs> I slashed his mouth. I swam around. I got the great fairy fountain. Oh my fountain. gosh. I went under him. I went on him. I threw bombs at him. Did you I, try? Yeah, bombs. There you go. Blow it open. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> figure out how to get this guy's mouth open. And then I was like, oh, I'm so frustrated right now. And then I was like thinking back. I'm like, wait, why was I smarter as a kid? And then I was like, oh, fish. <laughs> 20 minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> you got to use your you got to use your wisdom, Anthony. Yeah, I didn't have Come any on, of that man. there. It was burned out. What do, it all. what do big fish like? They like to eat small fish. That's fish. Eat your brethren. That's how the fish do. Yeah, I was sort of thinking like Jonah and the whale or whatever. And I was like, oh, he probably wants to eat something, right? Not me. I don't, <laughs> Link's not taste. Yeah. So I struggled with that. Part. Oh, man. Not going to lie. Yeah, there was a, um, I guess, early, there's like early screenshots of like them making the game where instead of dropping a fish, like it looks like there was a pedestal or something in front of Jabu Jabu where you'd have to play him a song for him to open his mouth. Um, kind of like reminiscent of like playing a song for Darunia or, uh, you know, playing any of the songs to get into any of the places. Um, something about like guardian appeasement. Like there was a, there's a whole, a whole bit on it in one of the videos that I watched recently. But, um, but yeah, no, in this one, it's just like, testing your wisdom about fish i guess and if you talk to the npcs and and learned about the legend of eating jabu jabu of fish um yeah it's just it's just another little test for you i failed um, miserably yeah get, get him to open his mouth with kindness not with harsh <laughs> not with bombs <laughs> feed him i think um i think even the king says something i forgot he doesn't say anything about feeding him a fish but he says um i just forgot to mention this that that uh, Jabu Jabu's been a little green around the gills lately, ever since that stranger Ganondorf showed up. Um, so I guess Ganondorf visited one day, didn't talk to anybody, left, and Jabu Jabu got sick. Um, hmm. Which would hint that this is, you know, his fault. Um, you know, no. Princess Princess Rudo, who's inside Jabu Jabu, we find out, is uh, is trying to help him somehow, but she doesn't really know what she's doing, so... Yeah, so we, we drop the fish in front of him and get eaten along with it. And that gets us into the dungeon of this area, Jabu Jabu's belly. Yep, and you start out in Jabu Jabu's mouth. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't just, like, it's eat not, you. It, he it's not his belly, but it works. sucks you in. Like, of course. Yeah, he, in, he inhales everything on the pedestal. Yeah. But you can turn around and walk right back out if you want. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's funny. He'll just keep it open for you from then on out. Um, cause he knows that you're the fish man, I guess. You the fish man. So the first thing I kind of want to mention about this place is that they did an amazing job making this dungeon, even back on the N64 look like it's the insides of something like it's moving. It looks like wet or moist, like, like the inside of a body would. It's like pinkish in color. I just think that they did a really good job of capturing that. Yeah. Like so far, I feel like the tree the Great Deku Tree Dungeon and this dungeon were two of the most immersive experiences thus far. Like, I didn't really feel that when I was in the Dodongo's Cavern, but definitely felt it this dungeon, even though I was kind of grossed out by this dungeon and the Great Deku Tree. Well, I, I will say the Dodongo's Cavern did feel like a cavern. Yeah. It just didn't. It just didn't have any cool gimmicks. It was like a lot one. of nonsense, you know. True. This is not yeah, difficult I, to make a cavern, but making the inside of something seems like a, a taller task. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the mouth that you go through 
in that one in Dodongo's cavern is a dead one. It's a big skull. So I mean, it's a little bit different for sure. It's it's weird how those how the contrast is there, but but yeah, this this dungeon isn't. It does appear like you are traveling through an organism, and it is um. Yeah, I mean, it's not because the graphics were what they were. It's not horribly graphic. You don't feel completely grossed out by it, um, but it does. It, it is accurate. It's true to form. Yeah, this this game does definitely contribute to nightmare fuel and not just one way, but many ways. With the enemies yeah. and layout of everything. Yeah, I think um, for this one, I mean, for this dungeon, the set pieces, uh, I mean... They're, uh, I mean, a lot of them are enemy based. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the enemies just themselves existing, like not even how they're set up, just what they are. I feel like is a big part of what makes this dungeon, um, memorable or what it is. Yeah. Um, like the first, the first thing we see, I think when we come inside are, are, uh, two, two enemies right off the bat that we've never seen before. Right. Or is it just the one in this room? The bubbles. You know, the, yeah. the bubbles, the. What are they actually called? The um, they're shibombs. Shibombs, yeah. Shibom, shibom, shibom. Yeah, they're uh, you could pretty much do whatever you want to these things, and they will pop. You can even, if you're close enough, roll right through them, and they'll pop. Like they're very weak. Yeah. But it's funny. Navi says they'll they'll bounce off your sword, but they really pop when you hit them with your sword. Yeah. So I don't know what she's talking about. I think she was just trying to keep you. Yeah, the slingshots don't pop them though. They don't? No, the one of the only things I tried to do aside from just slashing it was using a slingshot and it makes like a ting noise and it just bounces farther away from you. Oh, it must be too weak. I th- yeah, I I do remember that. Yeah. The slingshot's not good for these. It's not good for the jellyfish either. No, it really doesn't do much of anything in in this whole dungeon. I guess I'll just like kind of go through all of the enemies in this instead of like getting to them when we get to them cuz there's not really that many and they're sort of similar in theme yeah a lot of the rooms are indistinguishable so so we have bari and biri bari are the big jellyfish you will see deep in the dungeon they will electrocute you if you touch them with your sword or get anywhere near them similar to the biri and the bari actually explode into biri i know these names i i'm sorry i didn't come up with them this was a green of time they're ridiculous um deku nuts stun them Pretty much anything in this dungeon can be stunnable with a Deku Nut, so bring lots of Deku Nuts. Um, Great. There's not much you need to know about Bari or Biri other than don't attack them until you get the boomerang. Just kind of run by them. You don't need to kill them as of yet. Hmm. Uh, There is Octo Rocks, which are like purple octopus. You can kill them with slingshots or boomerangs, but if you bring your Deku Shield, I would actually advise just bring the Deku shield into this dungeon. You don't really need yeah. the Hylian shield. Because um, you can just reflect the rocks that Octo rocks shoot at you. And yeah, honestly, everything in this dungeon has a common theme, um, which is ranged attacks, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so there's parasitic tentacles after that. And those things, once you defeat them in the rooms, respective rooms that they're in, they're a different color. So there's like a red, green, and blue one. And then once you defeat that parasitic tentacle, it's like base where it's like blocking doors deeper on. I want to say it's like the tail end of Jabu Jabu. Uh, They'll like dissipate and then you can actually go through those doors. 
guarding those doors are something called tail passerons. I know the names. They're terrible. So tail passerons are like electrified worms. And again, you cannot do anything to these things until you get the boomerang. So moral of the story with all the enemies in this dungeon. Oh, I forgot stingers too. Uh, they're like stingrays. There's not really much else to them other than they're the worst probably ranged attacks oh those are the ones that are the fish with this the things sticking up out and then they start flying through the air yeah yeah they're the worst like stingray fish really Honestly, I, had, I had no trouble with them um if you're really proactive like once they fly up you can shoot them a couple times you can force them up um yeah you can step right on them and force them up yeah. but um they come back in the water temple too later on um i don't know man like the this time through, they weren't much of a problem. The first time I came through here um, recently, they they just got me, man. They came out and like they just kept flying up in the air, and then it was like keys from there. Like I just <laughs> they just like dive bomb you, and if you didn't hit them first, like they would they would just wreck me, man. I don't know. I I guess I kind of lied when I said that I thought the slingshot was useless in this dungeon because that's how I killed all of those things. I would step on them, force them out, and then just stay under them so that I didn't miss with the slingshot. Because if you tried to shoot while they were moving and far away, it would like they would keep moving and your shot would miss. But if you were right under them, you could shoot up at them and guarantee the hit. And two hits with it kills them. So that's what I did for every single one. Mm. Yeah, I think in this one you have the option because the water starts low to jump down and force them out and fight them one at a time. I think later on what happens, or if you raise the water first, um, I think they'll all come out like a lot easier and they'll attack you. Like they'll, they'll be the ones to initiate. And when that happens, it gets tricky. Yeah. Um, if it's one of those rooms with the water rising, cause there is a room where there's no water involved. There's just a bunch of them in it. Yeah. And that makes them a little bit easier. Cause then you kind of control the situation. Yeah. I definitely had trouble with them, but yeah, that's that's all yeah. the enemies that we actually have in this dungeon, and they're very true to yeah. the environment. Um, all the all the basic ones, yeah. I mean, I think the electric jellyfish and the bubbles and the, like we you talked about using the Deku shield, like again, like just just as a point of order. Um, this is the wisdom dungeon as a kid. Um, true. And I remember back in the nineties, it was just drilled. I mean, I don't know if it's cause I was a kid in school or what, but like knowing about conductors and electricity, like I think Pokemon had just come out recently. So, um, you know, there was the <laughs> whole idea of like earth versus, you know, electric yeah, types yeah. and stuff like that. So, um, so it was a matter like uh, you get in there, you're fighting electricity. Okay. I probably shouldn't use my, my metal sword and my metal shield. So you'd like swap out and use your Kokiri shield. And I would honestly, like every time I come into this dungeon, I just pull out the Deku sticks and start whapping things. Um, and that normally like that gets me through all, like all the jellyfish are pretty easy to fight. As long as you use a Deku stick, it won't shock you. Um, I don't know about the, the centipede things. I think I, I either waited for them to not be on like because you can watch this like the sparks and stuff on them i think mm-hmm. um i think you can either time it so that they're not they're not doing that and you can hit them that way or you can just use a deku stick but yeah when, once you get the boomerang it all becomes it all becomes pointless though because everything everything gets wrecked by the boomerang in this dungeon um it's mm-hmm. kind of the point <laughs> like you it's hard you get that it's like okay it. now now everything is ranged everything's got like you know it's got a it's got a good damage <laughs> good damage on that boomerang and you can just, yeah, you can just rang your way through it. And you also get the boomerang really early on in this dungeon. You get the boomerang before both the map and the compass. 
Hmm. I feel like I didn't. Uh, well, actually, I guess you could go either way. I think there's. I feel like I definitely got the map first. I don't. I don't know. From the beginning of the dungeon, as you go through, you basically have two routes you can take. You can go the upper way, which will ultimately lead to where those parasitic tentacles were that Anthony was talking about, or you could find your way down through either this like floating elevator platform or by jumping down into one of the holes in what I think is supposed to be his stomach. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the lower area is where we meet Princess Rudo, who's well, who we're searching for and why we're even here in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you get the boomerang first because um, I I mean I don't know for sure. I think you I think when you defeat the tentacles is when you get the the map and the compass. And I think the like the first two, I think are the map and the compass. And I think the third one is the way through. Um, but you can't defeat those until you have the boomerang. Yeah, this dungeon is very small, very very small. But you have to backtrack a lot through this dungeon so honestly like yes i'm we're probably not pretty sure the exact routes or timing of this dungeon but yeah you have to backtrack a lot so it's just a little confusing to remember like the specific pathings compared to like each parasitic tentacle you unlock for the door yeah so as as you go through the dungeon you can like knock out each room as one you can either enter or not and ultimately there's only two rooms that are important that you can't enter you can't enter the room that is on the complete opposite side of where the platform is going up and down and is covered by uh, vines or something like that. And then there's also one of those circles in the his stomach that you can jump down through has one of those parasitic tentacles in it. And that's the one that drops down to the highest level where the door is to further on in the dungeon. So you can't get to either of those until you get rid of those tentacles. And that's what we need Princess Rudo for. We have to grab her from the, the bottom, backtrack to the elevator, bring her up, and then take her all the way through the top area, past the stomach, to where the tentacles are, and that's where we start killing the tentacles and getting the boomerang, the map, and the compass. All right. So that's the speedrun version. So if we wa- rewind just a second, <laughs> <laughs> um, getting Rudo. I did speed. I beat this dungeon right. in like 20 yeah, minutes. No, you, that's, and that's what you want to do. Just like a Band-Aid. Rip it off, man. But um, Yeah. Yeah. But uh, to get Rudo. Um, the first time we enter that room, there's a bunch of holes in the floor, right? Um, and a couple of like of the of the beery, I think, um, if that's the right one. Um, and she's like, she, she basically jellyfish. tells you, like, "Hey, what are you doing here? What note? No, I no, I never would have written that. Get out of here. Go home." Right? Like she basically just rejects you completely. Um, turns around, walks a few steps, and immediately falls into one of the very obvious holes. Um, and you're like, "All right, I guess you know." Maybe you do need my help and you're just you're just being that fish. So you go and you fall down the hole to chase after and you talk to her again and she's like, Are you still here? And I'm like, You just fell down a hole right in front of me. Like, are you really gonna give me attitude again? Yeah, she is gonna give you attitude again. And she's gonna give it to you again, I think twice before she finally like decides that yeah. The whole dungeon. Well yes, but till the end, right? <laughs> before she even lets you like continue the mission the way you're after. Like this is where the escort mission part comes in because you talk to her again she basically says go home again uh i think you talk to her a second time and she's like i already told you go home um i'm already like there's you know jabu jabu's been acting weird but i've been coming here since i was little but there's a bunch of weird holes and electrified jellyfish and plus i lost my stone but that's none of your concern and then you talk to her again and she's like all right if you care that much i'll give you the honor of letting you carry me so she's a bit offensive <laughs> like she's really not like she's just 
she's a princess but i you know i think they really play up like the spoiled part of her character like obviously like i'm not gonna say that's how she is because she's a princess but it almost seems like that's the story they're trying to tell is like she's she's spoiled she's um you know she's not friendly to anybody really i mean as as from this first impression it would seem like she has no interest in in your help even though she she's kind of stuck herself like she doesn't seem to know what she's doing She's very rude and she's a brat, and that's all I have to say about Rudo. Yep. All right. Agreed. Well, yeah. So, so you do. So you pick her up. <laughs> sits down. Like she literally sits down. She doesn't say, "Okay, we'll walk through this together and figure it out." No, she sits down and says, "You can carry me." Um. So you do. Like a true princess. Here's the thing: before you have the boomerang, she's probably the most useful weapon in this dungeon. <laughs> You just throw her at stuff, and it'll, it'll kill most everything. <laughs> I actually didn't think about that. I didn't try that. No, I mean, but yeah, she's immune to most things. Um, the 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 weird thing about it is that she's not immune to water. If you throw her in the water, she will reset, and you got to go back and find her, and she'll tell you how rude you are, and you start the whole process over. So, but confirmed, Zoras can't swim, but they're immune to electricity. Oh no, she can swim. There's a cutscene later where she swims. She just won't swim while she's in sitting position because she expects to be carried. Gameplay mechanics. <laughs> yeah, so so that's um that's a thing. Um so you carry her. I'm not gonna go through the whole playthrough of what it's like to carry her, but um like, you know, I'm not gonna do a walkthrough of the dungeon or anything, but I will say that there's one switch that um you need the weight of two people to push down. Um so you need her for that. And there's another switch that you need to leave something on. So you leave her on it. You go fight with the thing you have to fight, come back out. And she's like, how could you be so rude to leave me behind like that? Like, don't you know your responsibilities as I don't know. She says something about you being a man and not being responsible. Even though she didn't want your help before. Yeah. Even though she never wanted your help to begin with. Um, now she's going to tell you how bad you are at helping, even though she's her help is like she's helping <laughs> you at this point, And she's helping you by sitting on a switch while you go do the actual work. Um, so there's that, um, there's also a point where she says that you need to take responsibility, like for following her or for just being there in the first place. And I find it funny how she tells you to take responsibility, but she doesn't seem to ever take responsibility for actually like getting sucked into this fish and trapped in the first place and losing her stone. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot (laughs) that goes on here. I think, um, I mean, she's a very assumptive person, I guess. Um, she assumes that. You are voluntarily into this like new relationship that she is um kind of commanding at this point. Um and it's um I think I I honestly think that the writers thought that this would be funny. <laughs> I think they they tried to make this humorous, like this is who this character is. She's, like she's she's this honestly, like she's a little girl, but she's like, hey, like I I'm the boss. I'm going to tell you what you need to do and, and how you need to do it. And I'm going to tell you that I don't even want you here, but also I have these super high expectations for you. And it's just um like, if you can't laugh at it, <laughs> you're just going to hate it. And I think that's usually how that goes. <laughs> I want to throw two points of interest, like two various points to look at this from, because I remember when I, I played this two times before this in my life, once when I was a kid and once when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. Both times when I was a kid and when I was a teenager, I looked at it as like, this was kind of funny situation. And then even what happens after the dungeon with all that, I thought it was like kind of humorous. And I was, I was sort of into the whole engagement. This playthrough as an adult, 
I was just annoyed because as an adult, it's like, you don't have time for this stuff. You just want to get there. And that's the sort of outlook I had on this was this is too childish for me. But back when I was a kid, like I did find enjoyment out of the engagement. So it was just sort of, I remembered like that when I was going through this and this time I was like, ah, I don't have time for this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. I'm going to try to keep the perspective of it's funny, (laughs) but it's, you know, it's not always easy. (laughs) Um, so I'll say like the first, you already talked about the uh, parasitic tentacles, but I think the next major thing that we come up to is the big octo, right? Um, yes. And the introduction to this is great because this is the first time you find the spiritual stone, like that Rito lost. It's up on a platform and she's like, oh, there it is. Throw me up there. It's a stone that her mother gave her. Um, so the tip that Saria gave you wasn't quite accurate. Like she thought King Zora would have it. But turns out it's in the royal family, but it's actually being passed down from uh, woman to woman, I guess. Um, I don't know if the king gave it to to the queen as like a proposal and then the queen gave it to Rudo. But what you find out later is that it's, you know, it's a that's what it is. It's like the, the Zora's engagement ring. Um, so I don't know if it just got passed around a, a weird way or what. Um, I imagine, you know, you don't, you never see the queen. So it's, it's more likely that she, she was passing away when she gave the stone to Rudo. Um, that's not said in the game yeah. specifically, but I, I believe that to be the case. Um, so she's, that's why it's partly why it's so important to her. So she, you know, she's super excited when she sees it and she's like, oh, there it is. Throw me up there. So you throw up there and it says like Princess Rudo got the spiritual stone or whatever. And at the bottom it's like, but why Princess Rudo? And um, there's a couple of <laughs> thoughts I have about that. Cause like either, either Link is questioning like, why did Princess Rudo get the stone and not me? Which I think is kind of messed up because n- nobody gave Link the stone yet. He has no right to it. Like <laughs> there's no reason for him to say it like that. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's like a joke. Like normally you're the one who's lifting things up in the air and saying you got such and such, right? Um, so like for Rudo to have it, it's like Rudo got the thing. It's like, well, that's not how this game normally works. Normally I'm the one who gets the thing. But you I know? wanted the um, thing. Yeah. No, really. I mean, that's um, – and I think part of it is kind of a play on that whole like relationship you didn't sign up for kind of thing. Like I think they're making jokes about that left and right. Um because not only has she been like kind of like this this bossy person who hasn't really been helping all that much, um, but like it's almost like you know you you order French fries for you <laughs> and your girlfriend gets some of them, you know, like you you are you are a team right now. Like you're not always gonna get all the things. Like this this one she gets to get just because. True. Like in you know in in kindergarten the trope is oh if a girl makes fun of you she likes you that sort of thing and like or if she bosses you around you know she just does it because she likes you it's that sort of thing that I think they're trying to also play around with yeah yeah it's like the idea that even negative attention is better than no attention it just shows that they are still giving you attention just in the wrong way kind of yeah just in in the way that you don't you wouldn't think means what they're trying to make it mean or maybe they're a little emotionally immature and don't know how to express themselves like you say yeah, yeah. It, but we do find out her intentions later yeah at the, the bottom like the but why princess rudo seems like kind of a childish childish thought pattern which i think is normal for what we've seen in this game so far there's a lot of stuff like that <laughs> um but yeah so she ends up the platform rises right and then she's like what is this some kind of 
octopus or something like that. Like she's never seen an octorok in her life. Um, yeah, right. Even though they like line the river up to Sora's domain. Um, but yeah, so it comes down. It's clearly a big octorok with like a like a shell. It's like the the snail version of the slugs that are octoroks. I guess I don't know. I think I think octoroks like typically in Zelda games when they get that big they get shells, um, but they don't always have them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This is a this is a fight definitely geared for the boomerang that you just got, and uh, the boomerang makes it real easy if you know what to do. Yeah, there's three ways to fight this guy, and uh, I guess we can each take away if you guys want. Oh, well, can I start? Because I only know of one way. Yeah, you go ahead. And it's probably the hard way. I'll try to fill a gap if I can. So I I chase him around based on the way that the platform in the middle, which has grew spikes out of nowhere, is now spinning. The opposite way of that is the way that you have to run to get behind him. And I run all the way up till I'm close enough behind him. I know I can throw the boomerang, hit him, stun him, and then get my sword slash in. And that does take a while. And when he speeds up on the third time, it takes me like a full minute of running behind him before I get close enough to be able to hit him with the boomerang. Good deal. I have a different one. I was afraid I wouldn't. I do not chase this fool. He does not deserve it. All right. <laughs> I stand in one spot and I wait for him to come around. I lock on and I hit him in the face with the boomerang <laughs> and that freezes him. Um, and then once he starts getting unfrozen, he spins around a bunch. Um, and you can either wait for him to stop spinning and see if he's facing the right way. Or you can just hit him again while he's spinning and there's like a 50-50 shot. You'll get him on the right side. Um, and you can just slash him whenever his back is facing you then. Um, usually after you hit him, he'll run the other way, but you can just kind of turn around and wait for him to come back around the other way and do the same thing again. Um, I think you can even just keep hitting him over and over again, like without letting him running away. And that makes it faster. Um, but yeah, that's not how I have always fought him. Like sometimes I, like I did used to chase him around until I realized you could just hit him in the face and that was fine. Um, cause I always thought he would just trample over me or something, but, um, you can usually get him stunned before he gets that close. So yeah, that's, that's mm. my strat. I mean, I used to chase him around and just run into the spikes a bunch and get real frustrated and it was, it was not good for me. <laughs> I actually didn't take any damage from the spikes. I'm really good at maintaining a very close distance to them, but not actually getting hit by them. Oh, you got them Tokyo Drift skills. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, if you just keep running, you'll eventually you'll eventually right. get there. Eventually. And then what, is there a third way? Yeah, Anthony's magical third way. Wait till you hear this. Yeah, so uh, this is the double-edged sword method that you can beat him Ooh. in around 12 to 15 seconds. Uh, so basically, he starts running at you. Let him, let him trample you. Just let him run you over. And once he's past you, you just throw the boomerang, stun him, attack him, let him run you over again, stun him, attack him, let him run you over a third time, stun him, attack him, he's dead. Okay. It's like a 15, 20 second method. But yeah. you have to sacrifice three hearts. <laughs> I really wouldn't have thought to try that one. It's called the double-edged sword method. I can, underst- I can understand the logic behind it now, but I just never thought about that. You beat him so quick. I was like speed running that boss fight. Because the only reason I did that is because... Okay, so with Fonz's method, it's probably the best method overall to actually beat the big Octo. But I was finding trouble with it because I was throwing the boomerang at him and he wasn't... I didn't actually think to hit him when he was spinning, but sometimes he doesn't actually spin around the way you want him to go. He goes towards you again and you have to do it. It's like a randomizer, I think whatever way he ends up running. 
so I just kind of was like, I'm just going to let this guy trample me. I'm just going to attack him on the backside. <laughs> yeah, that's why I started hitting him like when when he was still spinning, because then he gets frozen again before he ever moves. Yeah, that's actually nice. I didn't think about that. So as long as you just spam spam it, spamming him with the boomerang, you'll always uh, come out on top. Pro strats over here. And that's the end of Big Octo. And once we're done with him, we can take the elevator back up to, I don't remember which room exactly. It's a room that had a giant open pit in the center of it, and then now the room is complete with where we come up. Yeah, you bring like a whole section of the wall with you, right? Like, or like the, you hit a switch or something. I think a whole, a whole big platform moves with you and kind of completes a circle of, of ledge. Yeah, of that one room I mentioned earlier where you can't get to the door on the other side and it has all the vines on it. Now a part of the ground moves up with you and you can now get over to that door. Isn't there like a business scrub at the bottom of that room? Like the very bottom? Yeah, if you swim if you swim underneath there's a business scrub and he's he's annoying to get to. Like what the heck is he doing in there? What is he doing in there? I don't business, man. Like like bro, how'd you like bro, how'd you end up in a fish? Like <laughs> That's why he's a scrub, man, because he don't know where to be. He's a business scrub, man. Mm-hmm. Listen, you got to find your niche market, man. <laughs> in a fish. Kids lost in giant fish, sometimes they need Deku nuts. <laughs> That's all, all I'm going to say. Who else is going to sell them? I will say, they are useful for all the enemies in the game. It's free real estate, man. <laughs> it's free real estate. Sometimes you can't afford the big markets. And once once we get through that door, it's pretty much a straight shot through a couple big rooms to the boss. Bio, electric, anemone. Buried. Oh my gosh, reminds me of like, uh, what was it? it oh, I wish I could remember the name of it now. That fake energy drink commercial that came out way back when. What's that? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I remember it. Power I Thirst, was it? Oh, was it that? <laughs> it might have been. I don't know. That was hilarious. Gives you energy, energy, energy for men. Buried. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Yeah, this guy, he doesn't really have uh, many different strategies. You pretty much do the same strategy throughout the entire fight. You know, you, you don't have magical ways to beat him. It, you use the boomerang, and that's, like, the bottom line of this fight. You have to detach him from the ceiling. Yeah. And uh, kill the jellyfish. But he's actually attached to the ceiling. He's attached to the ceiling with the same three colored tentacles that were the parasitic ones that you destroyed earlier, like linking this guy to those parasitic tentacles that were clogging up the entire dungeon. That's a good catch. It's almost like they're tapeworms. He is the direct, like pretty much when Ganondorf messed with Jabu Jabu, I think he basically just put Baronade in there and then Baronade just went to work. I'm not going to lie to you. I think <laughs> Beery... Like, I think when Abari splits into three Beery, I think that's like a hint. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Ganondorf came in with like one little electric jellyfish and just fed it to Jabu Jabu because Jabu Jabu likes to eat things and then like bounced and that one jellyfish yeah. eventually became Baronade. Just you propagated. Know, I really yeah. like that. Because think about it. Berry, Beery, Barra, Nade. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's got to and doesn't it basically <laughs> have a bunch of berry like attached to it? Isn't that how that thing yeah, functions? Yeah, that's like yeah. the second yeah. phase. That's like the second so part the, of the Yeah, fight. the first phase is like where it's holding on with those parasitic tentacles to the ceiling and it's shooting electricity at you. Once you knock it off, it surrounds itself with the berries. 
And then it starts like flinging them around on electric whips around the room in a circular pattern. And it goes faster and slower. And you have to get your boomerang through them, whether you wait for them to slow down or I just kept throwing it until I eventually slipped through. Uh, then they detach from him. You defeat all of them. And he does that once or twice. And then you move on to the next phase of the fight. Yeah, I want to say the two key points for this fight, just to get you guys moving, is <laughs> make sure you learn how to Z-target before you get to this fight and don't stop moving. Those are the two key factors you need for this fight. Yeah. And you should do fine. Just remember which button you put the boomerang on and you'll be all right. Yeah. That's, that's how I always do this. One. I just spam the boomerang, man. Everything it hits, it destroys. It's a silly fight. <laughs> yeah. And the boomerang's the- just OP. The, the final phase is where he's just moving around the room, shooting electricity at you, and you just have to boomerang him and hit him, and then he kind of goes into the ground and has invulnerability for a minute, still shooting electricity at you, and you just do that until the fight's over. Yeah, I don't want to minimize him like he's nothing, but honestly, like, this is one of the most, like, I always forget about this guy until I'm in the room fighting him again. Um, like, really, like, <laughs> it, it, it just, the, I think they gave him too many syllables in his title, like... I just don't ever remember this guy. Bioelectric and enemy parade. He's right. <laughs> too it's long just, of a It's name. too much. Too hard to um, remember. And he's he's not that hard to fight. And I think once I'm done with it, I immediately forget about him again. Yeah, I mean, he just turns into a pile of green goop and some pink dead cell looking stuff and then yeah, stops moving gross, and he's though. gone. Yeah, it is really gross. And it just stays yeah. there? like. Ugh. Yeah, it just stays there. And it even moves around, like, for the first three seconds it's on the ground. It's, like, still pulsing and moving, and then it stops. It's like, ooh. I don't think that was on my version. But you get a heart container, so hey-oh. Oh. Walk right into it. Yep. So, yeah, so you get out, and um, the teleporter takes you out the, to the back of Jabu Jabu, I think. Or, like, up onto a log behind him or something. <laughs> um, and Rudo is floating in the teleporter when you look across the room. You just see Rudo yes. in the boss room. <laughs> you can you can Z-target her, but you cannot talk to her. So, I think I, like, she- tried to and did, like, a jump attack into the blue ring. <laughs> Got <to figure laughs> I think um, I did a jump attack, too, but it wasn't an accident. Yeah. I just saw her face, and I was like, oh, my God. But if you do look at her face, she's got this <laughs> very like um, uh, sheepish she's smile blushing. on her face, and she's blushing. Yeah. And she starts off by saying that you're late and useless. <laughs> but you just beat the boss and saved her, so you're not useless at all. I don't know where she was during that boss fight. I will say that. I mean, she must have been just off to the corner or something and just didn't, you know, show. But yeah, she didn't come out of Baronade or anything. Like, she's just there at the teleporter waiting. Um, So you go there and she's blushing and you get out there and she's like, oh, you looked cooler than I thought you would. Like, so clearly you impressed her with this boss fight. Like... You you finally made that impression by coming in and saving her from the big bad baronade. Um and now she's getting a little bit uh flirty with Link, <laughs> I will say. Um to the point where I mean she, she is your wife. pushes you into the water, um, kind of jumps in with you and says something along the lines of like, Here I want you to have it. I don't remember the whole dialogue, I just know the main points. Um, gives you the the emerald basically saying, My mother gave this to me. It's kind of you know, it's Technically, it's like this is a proposal because this is this is considered um, the Zora engagement ring. Like you said, you, I'm only supposed to give it to the person who I'm to marry, right, or who will be my spouse or whatever. 
And so she gives it to you and like Link holds it up like, you got the spiritual stone. You don't know what that whole engagement thing was about, but whatever. Let's keep going. <laughs> like, just like, <laughs> Pretty much. At that point, Link, I want to tell you, run. Shut her down. <laughs> so. Um, it's like that one meme, run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, um, yeah, it's wildly inappropriate, like, uh, because you guys are kids, you don't know what you're doing, um, but she's all about it. I don't know when Zoras typically get engaged, but it seems young even for them, um, because you don't, if we, you know. If we take the, like, logic of uh, Breath of the Wild in here for one instance, we learn that, at least from that lore, that Zoras lived for a long, long time, so... I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm sure they'll figure it out when they're older. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, it's you figure it out when they're older. Are you just trying to hint at like later scenes? Because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All I know is Rudo's your wife, not Zelda. Figure something out. Well, yeah, you're engaged to her. You don't actually get married at any point or anything like that. But um, yeah, it becomes a theme later. Um, one of the things that I was that i mean i guess it's worth bringing up now um because you know we've now done all three of these dungeons right so um one of the points that i heard one of the you know one of the youtubers that i watched recently like he he did the whole video about um like shintoism and subtext in the zelda games and and things like that um kind of mentioned that you know each each different place you go you get a different kind of relationship um so you start off in Kokiri Forest and that one's kind of already there. Like that's, you know, she's sorry as like your best friend, right? Like she's kind of the person that she's like your old best friend. Like you've had her forever. I'm not quoting his video right now. Cause like, I, I don't agree with all of the things he said in it. Um, but Saria is like, she's already like Link's best friend established. Right. Um, and when he goes to the Goron city, he becomes a brother, right? Like he becomes like a sworn brother. Um, which is another like form of camaraderie. Like it's, it's another friendship, another strong friendship. Um, I think that actually literally gets called out later on. Um, when you revisit the Goron city as, as an adult link. Um, and this one, like Rudo is a spousal relationship. Um, so right now it's kind of a courting relationship because you're still kids and this is like the beginning of whatever. Like she's, this is the first time, you know, you're now engaged quote unquote. But, you know, the way it's presented is kind of weird and kind of awkward because it's, you know, it's, you actually haven't developed that actual relationship with Rudo. She's just kind of assuming it and kind of charging at it, even though Link is not. Um, He actually has no idea what's even going on. So, um, so, but, but it's supposed to like each of these relationships is supposed to kind of highlight something about like Link as a person and kind of um, where it takes the story is that he gets something from each of these relationships. What would you consider Zelda's relationship? Did they mention Zelda's relationship with him at all? Or like what that would be in terms of Link? Um, I believe it does, but I don't remember. I think it was like um, almost motherly, like a like she's kind of like directing him in a way. Yeah. Um, like it's not really a romantic interest, even though I think think the programmers had a little bit of that in there but i don't think that that's like family um, sort of i don't think that that's what it ends up displaying as <laughs> she's like his his ultimate guide yeah she kind of looks at you most of the time when they're talking like you're cute but not like you're cute in a attractive way like you're cute in a kiddish way <laughs> yeah 
Um, like Zelda and Impa. So yeah, Zelda and Impa are kind of like that. But um, well, not Impa. I think Impa is more. It's a different thing. We'll get to her. I think when we talk about this, this the Shadow Temple. Um, but yeah. So like, so like in this situation, like your best friend help like encourages you, gives you courage, right? Like, and you literally take that encouragement. And you give it to Darunia, which is how, like, you help him get past his anger. Like, like you know, like, Ganondorf comes in, like, ah, siege. And, like, the Gorons are like, okay, high walls, we're stubborn, whatever. And then Link comes along and he's like, hey, how about something encouraging? And they're like, oh, yeah, all right, all right, no more stubbornness. We, you can help us now, you know? Like, <laughs> like he kind of brings <laughs> that to the table and ends up making uh, – ends up like convincing them that, you know, he, he is worthy of being their sworn brother. I think it even kind of talks about later on how powerful you made an impression with your courage. Right. Um, so like, and then through that camaraderie, you gain power. Like you, you get that Goron bracelet, you know, you can throw bombs now, like you learn all these different things going through the cavern and now you're more powerful. Um, so now this, you're using that power, right? Like you just go and you fight off Baronade and you impress Rudo. So now Rudo is like the spousal relationship and through a spousal relationship, you can gain wisdom. Um, I find that to be true in my life. <laughs> I think that the way it's presented here, <laughs> um, isn't the clearest, isn't the best. I mean, it's just, it's awkward kid stuff right now. But I think later on, um, especially, like, they do a better job of kind of showing that. Um, right now, I, I think there's a lot of, like, planting the seeds of these relationships going on so that when you come back to them later, there's already, like, an established story. Yeah, and I want to piggyback, actually, exactly off of what you were just saying. Um, but I want to focus it more on Link's development. So I did mention this last episode, but... Remember this? So now we have all spiritual stones, right? And I said that if you look at the two spiritual stones we have, they sort of look like a blooming flower. Mm -hmm. So now that everyone has this blue one, the blue one actually looks like a blooming, a bloomed flower at this point. Uh, three petals. And if we see the whole progression of Link, he started out as a bud, you know, with that courage. He needed the courage. He was just a little budling, I guess you can say, even though it sounds funny. And as he goes on in this adventure, when we get the Goron Stone, he's sort of turned into not just a bud, but the flower is now, you know, blooming. It's, it's sprouting a little bit. You know, it's like a tulip, closed tulip. And then once we go through, we get, you know, we get some wisdom and, you know, we go through the journey even more with Link. He finally blooms. And this is the moment that Link is about to bloom. And we haven't talked about why. He's actually blooming into this flower. I wanted to bring that up now so that when we actually get to this next part, you can kind of think about like, huh, I never really thought about it like that, that these stones actually represent that. But that's, I'm pretty sure what they were trying to represent there. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I think that the, the blooming flower. Basically, he's blooming into an adult. <laughs> okay, just say it. <laughs> I'll get to it right now. Just drop it. Boom. <laughs> drop that mic. Did I build it up enough? Did I? I think you did. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. That piggybacks just off what you were saying with his development, with the characters he's meeting, and this blooming flower along the way. Yeah. So, I mean, we get the stone, right? We go back into Zora's domain. Um, we, I mean, yeah. I mean, we talk 
to the king. He's super grateful we saved his daughter. If you talk to any of the other Zoras, they're like they they only have like two things to say. And one is that Jabu Jabu's acting normal again, and the other one is that like <laughs> oh you saved Princess Rudo, great. <laughs> so, so they don't have anything else to really share with you. It's it's kind of time to move on. Um, you have all the stones, so you're you know according to the plan that Zelda laid out, you're supposed to go back to her and figure out the next step. So you can make your way back to the castle. Um, do we want to talk about Lon Lon Ranch? You can mention the things about it. Just me and Cameron don't have any input. Um, okay, I'll I'll talk about it before before this next major event because afterwards it's there's even more. But I I think it's better if we've all played it before we get there. Um, so before you go back to the castle, one thing that you can do pretty much any point after you've talked to Zelda the first time. Um, is you can go to Lon Lon Ranch and kind of plant the seeds of a different relationship. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's a side quest, um, but it's one that kind of perpetrates through the whole game, um, in a, I guess on its own thing. Like you, you can do these whenever you want and, um, it does a lot for you, I guess. Like it, it's one of the most iconic characters that, that comes from it. Um, so you go to Lon Lon Ranch, um, after Talon and Malon have returned from the castle town. And, uh, usually you can find Talon, 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 however you pronounce it, um, in a room with a bunch of cuckoos. He has a cuckoo game for you. If you play it and you win it, like he throws three super cuckoos that are indistinguishable from the other cuckoos into the room. Um, so if you can watch them, great. If not, it's really hard to figure out which one's which. I'm sure there's a trick to it that I just do you know the strategy actually. Yeah. So before you start it, you actually just throw all the cuckoos by the stairs in that little like cut off corner, like the bar area, so they can't escape. And then once he starts the game, you just go in there and start chucking them out one by one until you get all three. Really? Does he throw them all into that area or does he throw them around the room? Because if he throws them around the room, it's even easier. You just run out to him, I would think. I don't know. I didn't have all of them in there. I had like five in there. And so when he threw them, I just started like grabbing and chucking. Gotcha. I got it in like 15 seconds, I think. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't give you a ton of time. Um, so it's really easy to mess up if you don't do that strategy. Um, but if you do win, um, you get a bottle full of Lon Lon milk, which will heal you for five hearts, but you can drink it twice. So that's nice. Um, and of course, it's a bottle. So that's the real reward there. Um, I think you can fill this bottle up at any cow. I don't I haven't actually tried it. I don't know how to do it, but I know that that's an option. You can get new Lon Lon milk from any other random cows. And the game is sure to put them in strange places just as jokes, I think. Um, but yeah. So you can play that, you can get the bottle. The other thing you can do is you can go revisit Ingo if you want, but he's still just bitter. He thinks that um Talon is lazy and sits around all day and that he does all the work and that he should be running the show. Um, which is easy to like understand where he's coming from because Talon does just kind of sit with all the cuckoos all day and it seems like he's kind of sleeping if he's not working, um, which he never really is. Ingo looks like a bad guy with the mustache. Yeah, and, like, I mean, burnt he, eyebrows. He I think he would look a little bit less like a bad guy if he got more sleep, <laughs> but <laughs> it seems like he's just working constantly. Like, like his eyes are bloodshot and everything. He's always kind of swaying like he's exhausted. Um, you could definitely see where he's coming. Yeah. And then, um, if you go out into the field during the daytime, um, Malon will be out in the field. Like there's a corral full of horses and there's one small horse who is Epona. 
which is like Link's horse and always has been like his main go-to horse for all the games following. Um, it's funny that she doesn't have her own lore as to like why she keeps, you know, getting reincarnated like the other characters in this game. That's a good um, point. <laughs> but, but she's there and this is the first time we ever meet her. And this is um, like Malon basically specifically tells you about, about Epona and how she's kind of like, doesn't like most people. Um, she, like, and it's true. She'll run away from you if you try to like get close to her. Um, but if you talk to Malon a few times, she'll kind of tell you that, uh, she'll tell you a little more about the horse, but then she'll tell you about the song that she sings and how like her mother taught her to her, um, and kind of offers to sing together. Like, would you want to sing with me? Um, whenever a character kind of offers to play a song or sing a song with you, that's your cue to bring out the ocarina. Um, so you do. And she says, Oh, I'll teach you this song that my mother taught me. Um, and basically shares that it's Epona's favorite song too. Um, so she teaches you Epona's song, which, uh, if you play it now, um, Epona will come up close to you and you can actually like, it's not like you can pet her or anything, but she won't be afraid of you anymore. Um, and it'll become more important when you're an adult. Um, so again, it's planting those seeds. Um, again, Malon, like there's too many other girl like characters that are the same age as Link in this game. Um, I believe there's some, there was like a quote somewhere about <laughs> from the developers about how, like, for some reason, Link had to leave all these girls behind <laughs> when he became an adult or something like that. <laughs> very, very strange oh, the way it was written. The tragedies. Yeah. Like, I always thought of Malon as more of just a friend character, but I think that they kind of play yeah. up um, a lot of the things about, like, you know, she's good with animals. So, there's kind of hints that she's, you know, she's probably like a very empathetic person. Um, all she ever kind of does is, is stand around and sing and be happy. And like, you know, like she's, she's like this, um, this farm girl character who's like just always very pleasant to be around. Um, so I don't think there's actually anything romantic going on between her and Link. Like the fact that she talks about like the fact that her mother played her this song, kind of similar to Rudo. Um, her mother's not in the picture anymore. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of girls around with no moms, which is kind of sad. Um, I don't know if she, you know, yeah. I, I don't think that it's, I mean, it could have just, it could be, she's still around. She's just not around around because Taylon's kind of a deadbeat, <laughs> but I don't know. It doesn't go into that. I think, I think it's more likely that she's passed on. Um, and it's again, like a demon Zelda that, yeah, the parents are kind of absent. <laughs> um, Mm -hmm. it's a it's a little bit sad. i mean zelda doesn't seem to have a mom either so i mean i don't know why that's quite written that way but um yeah yeah definitely and all the dads aren't that. doing anything so so yeah really you're planting the seeds of the relationship with epona but it's not that you don't help malon out again later too like you do you do a lot for her um because of how much she cares about the animals um but yeah, so that's that's kind of the the story there for now. We'll I think we'll break in more of that um, either next episode or some t other time while we're an adult. <laughs> I do want to urge everyone to check it out. Check out Lon Lon Ranch just because if you're looking for music, I know I probably say this every episode, but the Lon Lon Ranch song is so relaxing. It's so nice <laughs> to listen to. So if you're just looking for like a chill vibe, just just go ahead in there. <laughs> you will not be disappointed. Yeah, no, it's great. Vibe and tunes for doing your homework. I definitely enjoy Lon Lon Ranch. Um, yeah, otherwise Lon Lon Ranch has a few items. These sculptulas, heart pieces, stuff like that that you can find. But um, yeah, uh, it's not really story related, so I'm not going to get too much into it. 
Um, so now that we've done that, that's probably the last bit of prep work you want to do for now um, before you go on to the castle. Um, so this this time when we approach Castletown, doesn't matter if it's in the middle of the day or not. Once you get close, you'll see that the um, the drawbridge is actually up. Um, so you couldn't get into the town except, you know, you get close and suddenly the screen will go dark. Um, it'll kind of come back up and you'll see storm clouds in the distance over uh, Death Mountain. It'll kind of pan over towards the gate and you'll see the gate coming down. Like all, all of Hyrule kind of gets covered in these dark clouds, um, which I mean, I guess would be kind of like the ones from Zelda's Nightmare. Um, but more strictly speaking, they are the exact same ones that Link saw in his nightmare at the beginning of the game. Um, the strawbridge comes down, a white horse comes flying out the gate, almost runs Link over. Um, turns out that uh, Impa is piloting that horse, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Um, and she has Zelda kind of like riding tandem in front of her. Um so she is making a, an escape with the princess right now. Um, and quickly behind them, uh, Ganondorf shows up on his horse again, just like in the nightmare. Um, I don't think the white horse was in Link's nightmare, but Ganondorf is definitely the same. Um, he comes out, he, he basically questions you, Hey, you saw that white horse who just left through here. Which way did it go? Um, Link doesn't say anything. Um, Ganondorf's like, well, you want a piece of me? Like, that's funny. Um, I think, now nah, Link takes his sword out like he could like fight him. Yeah, he gets ready for battle. He takes his sword out. Um, it's funny. Most of the um, like Link, what do you do? Yeah, most of the cutscenes in this game are actually like programmed, actually to be like seamless from gameplay. So like, whatever you're wearing at the time, whatever you have on you is what is going to be in the cutscene. Um, I don't know if you have the Kokiri shield. If he pulls that out too, I always he does have. Oh, okay, great. Um. I think if you have the Hylian shield, he might just leave it on his back and just pull out the sword. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what just happened. Um, yeah. So it's, um, it's kind of a cool thing, but like Ganondorf kind of laughs at him and just blasts him with his standard, <laughs> uh, yellow <laughs> blast. It's like <laughs> a big purple <laughs> waves all kind of <laughs> converge onto his hand and become like this yellow ball of energy. And it just kind of blasts it, hits Link, Link gets sent flying. You can't do anything about it. Um, and Ganondorf, I don't think I think he laughs at you and kind of runs off to go chase after the princess. Um, yeah, but yeah, he thinks you worthless and all that. Yeah, like, you can't stand up to me. We missed two parts in the cutscene though. When Zelda was running away with Impa, uh, she threw something and it landed in the water uh, in the moat. She throws a laser, man. And also, the thing that goes, we, she's got a cannon. Yeah, for an arm. yeah, she's great. And we also missed the best laugh in the game. <laughs> Yeah, I tried to like do it in the background uh, as as he was uh, talking. And he's like, eh, uh, eh, oh, it's eh. so good, so lame. <laughs> and even the text goes so slow. The text comes in. It's like, eh, eh, is eh, that with like three dots? It's like really. Is that when he's talking to Link about wanting a piece of him, or is that at the very end after he blasts Link? Yeah, no. Link Link takes his sword out, and then Ganondorf. It's just like a it's like a pan. Like Link takes his sword out, waits a couple of seconds, and then all of a sudden Ganon's just like, eh. Eh, eh, you want a piece of me, you little boy? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what the heck? I like your attitude. Yeah. And then, pssst. So he, uh... He's actually complimenting Link there for his courage, actually. Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, Link, I think Ganondorf, like, has some kind of respect for Link. 
Um, but he doesn't let that on very much. Like, he never says that. <laughs> he, uh, I think that this is kind of worth mentioning here. I mean, um, just kind of going back, like into the Zora thing, right? Like we go through the whole Zora domain. Nobody really understands the problem. Like King Zora has some kind of recollection of the date that Jabu Jabu got sick was the same date that Ganondorf stopped by, but he doesn't fully attribute it to that. Like he doesn't say, oh, Ganondorf must have poisoned him or done something. Um, and nobody really knows what's going on. Like you, it's up to Link to kind of figure out the problem, the solution, like the steps, like you kind of have to parse it all out yourself. Um, whereas ever, everywhere else we've been, there's been at least one character who knows the whole situation and has expressed the whole situation. And I think this is on purpose. Um, I think, um, the only race I wanted to mention, by the way, that actually I'm pretty sure the whole race was involved with this was the Gorons all were mad at Ganondorf, like all of yeah knew that it was him and mad. Yeah. Whereas all the other races were just like, la, 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 you know? Right. Because the kingdom thinks he's an ally and the Kokiri don't know about him because he only dealt with the tree. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the intention of this is that, because um, like when you finally do get to the Temple of Time, there's a line in there because um, Ganondorf kind of shows up in another cutscene um, where he kind of says that he figured you had the stones. Like he figured you had the keys to get in. And so like, I think that part of this, like part of the Zorus domain, like everybody not knowing what's going on is intentional. I think Ganondorf like recognized that the Zoras were the quote unquote wise race. Um, and therefore he was very sneaky with them. Like just poisoning Jabu Jabu would not have gotten him the stone. He didn't poison Jabu Jabu and then make some kind of threat. He didn't like do it in response to being told no to getting the stone. Um, I honestly think that he did it because he saw what Link has been doing. Like, you know, he he yeah. cursed the tree. Link goes in, saves the tree. Tree gives him the stone. Um, he's running a siege against the Gorons when all of a sudden Link comes in, saves the day, gets the stone. He's like, all right, so the Zoras need a conflict. So he goes and all he does is he feeds Jabu Jabu this jellyfish, right? I mean, that's, that's our going theory right now. Um, and so that makes Jabu Jabu sick. doesn't really matter if Jabu gets healthy or not because um, he knows that Link is going to come save the day and get the stone and he's not going to have to do any more work. He's just going to have to wait for Link to show up and basically open the door for him. So I think even him running off after Zelda is kind of a ruse. Like it's kind of a front. He's kind of tricking Link into thinking, oh, Ganondorf left. I don't have to worry about him anymore because you go straight for the Temple of Time and basically go to unlock the sacred realm, right? So again, Ganondorf's got serious game, man. He's got the strategies for days. Like I think if he had, I think if he had gone to the Zoras and been like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill Lord Jabu Jabu unless you guys give me the stone," they would have figured a way out of it. They would have like either figured a way to turn it around, or they would have contacted the royal family. They would have done something. Like remember, they're in control of, like the water, so maybe they would have like like made it abundantly clear that they you know, that they were being attacked or something, you know, like there's, they had, they probably had an out or he probably knew that they would figure something out if he was obvious. So he did something really subtle and then kind of let Link do the hard work for him. Um, again, like he's kind of an evil genius. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He really is though. Um, so yeah. So does anyone want to describe like the whole using the three stones and doing that and kind of how that plays out? 
Well, I was actually going to mention beforehand, uh, I just wanted to say, so we all know that Ganondorf rode through in a huffy and Zelda came running on by, like trying to basically outrun them. Like the townsfolk would clearly have seen that. Yet when we go into town, everyone is still in the market. Like, oh my God, I want this. I want to buy this. And they're just like going on about their blissful business. Yet again, no one seems to really give a crap. And then there's actually a guard in the alley, like towards the left side alley, that I never knew existed prior to this playthrough. And he sort of talks about, like, he knows you. Like, he knows you because Zelda has told him about you. You're the boy in green from the woods. And he's like, you're our hero. Like, you're going to have to save us. Zelda, he mentions the ocarina, I'm pretty sure. Like, did she give you the ocarina? And he also goes on to say there was a battle, you know, like a big battle. And that's why he's hurt. And he's like, yeah, I fought for Zelda and like all this other stuff. And then he dies, which is only I'm pretty sure the second character we've seen uh, die in front of you, albeit the Great Deku Tree, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be the second. So it's pretty traumatic. It's pretty traumatic. And it's the first human you see die. And it really kind of brings the reality to the situation before you actually go into the temple at time. But I wanted to harp on this dying guard because the townsfolk, it, from what he described as a giant battle, it seems like the guards are still in place at the castle. The townsfolk know not of what would just happen. And it's like, what the heck? <laughs> like, what Yeah, the, the guard out front I don't understand it. still welcomes you into Hyrule Castle Town and says it's a peaceful place, which is funny. The, the one yeah. in the pot room... Um, still says that he's bored and that things would be more interesting if there was more conflict. Um, but once you get to the ones out in the uh, courtyard, um, if you talk to the one at the gate where we originally snuck in to see Zelda, he says, um, there's a lot going on in the castle. I can't even let a dog through right now. Um, and if you actually sneak past all the field guards and get into the castle, you can't get to like the hide and seek section anymore because they blocked it off with two guards that are like – diligently keeping watch right there and you can't get past them um so they actually did change a few things closer to the castle but the guards out front have no idea what's going on and a lot of the townspeople um some of them actually do change their dialogue like there's a one old woman who says i feel like something bad's about to happen i think i should probably leave town um which is probably the smartest thing one of the npcs in that castle mm-hmm. town has said um the guy who the only one talks about the sheikas is like hey wasn't that one of the sheikas <laughs> Like, you know, um, <laughs> there's a, there's a couple of things. I mean, uh, some of the people, I think the, the, the guy who said I'm late, I'm late for a very important date now just says so scary, so scary. And a couple other people were kind of said something about the fact that these two people just ran through, like, they don't know what's happened. They just saw the horses and got kind of impressed by the horses or, uh, were scared about scared by them, I guess. So. So yeah, I mean, it's not like a, a lot of them are still the same. I think the ones at the counters are are still the same because they never like look away from the counter. But um, I, the, the the couple dancing in the middle is still the same. They never say anything else. So that kind of rings true of them too. But it makes you wonder what actually happened. You know, like if Ganondorf was trying to play this game this entire time, like what did he actually do at the castle to end up? chasing zelda and impa out like did he kill the king like you know it doesn't really exactly mention 
this bold move that he made. Uh, yeah, because it never says if he has an army or anything with him. Like, there's never any other Gerudo in the area. Even though the guard mentions an army. Yeah, and the guard that's dying mentions an army in a battle. So it's like, what? Right. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe he had the Gerudo behind him, but you just don't see them because they're all at the castle. Um, I'm guessing that he chased Zelda because he wanted the Ocarina. Like, I really think that that's, he knew that he knew that that was part of it and he knew that she would have it. That kind of thing. Like, he knew mm-hmm. that you were coming with the keys, so he just needed the Ocarina <laughs> to kind of go along He thought with the that. whole thing was was coming again. Yeah. She had the baseball arm of <laughs> It was all coming together, man. He just had to, like, get the things in order. Like, and this is, you know, it, it, it kind of all works out for him. All right, well, yeah, I think that pretty much sums up the uh, the battle that took place. Um, so, yeah, we... We patrol ourselves over to the temple that everyone was talking about, the Temple of Time. Yep. And we go up in there with the three stones. <laughs> just do that the whole time. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we get in there with the three stones. And at when once you get the ocarina, we actually missed an important uh, cutscene that plays. Zelda's actually, it's like a memory imprinted with the ocarina. Zelda actually teaches you the Song of Time. I don't really know how that works. It's like a memory or something. Yeah, she says she won't. If if you're hearing this, like I won't be around anymore or something like that, which sounds really dark. But yeah. you know, she she left the castle. So, so you get the ocarina. You go up there with the three stones, the flowers, the blooming flowers, and play the song of time on the pedestal where the flower where you put the stones. Yeah, at this point, it would be irresponsible of us not to make the joke about how everything is of time right now. Uh, you take the Ocarina of Time and play the Song of Time on the pedestal of time within the Temple of Time in order to open up the door of time. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. And yeah. So To age in time. It's worth mentioning. Everything is time. It's true. It's the Ocarina of Time after all. Right. Because what's just about to happen is time. Yep. Time itself. This is where all the time comes together. It all converges at this point. So yeah, once you play the song, the door opens. You go back there. You grab the sword and Ganondorf comes in in your head. He's like, ha, 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 ha. I knew you would be gathering those stones and have them on your person. And I don't really remember what he says after that, but you turn into an adult. It's basically, you led me right in here to the sacred realm. It's like you opened the door to the sacred realm for me. It's like, oh, great. Cool. Awesome. But then that kind of fades out to white and you're faced with this old man. Um, he's got a big walrus mustache that goes across his whole face. Yes. Um, he's in a yellow robe and he starts explaining some things to you. Um, namely that you are in the light temple, um, which is like at the heart of the temple of time or not the heart of the temple, the heart of the sacred realm. Um, and that Ganondorf came in with you basically and was able to get the Triforce. Um, and so in seven years, he's turned the world into a land of monsters and that you know the one stronghold is where you're standing now it's like in the temple of light right like you you know it's kind of goes back to that theme of light and justice it's like ganondorf wasn't really able to penetrate it i think he got in just long enough to get the triforce and then that was pretty much all he could do before he had to leave again so now you're there with with raru who is the sage of light um yeah so he explains that this the ancient sages built the place, which I think we've actually heard before, um, and that they built it as a stronghold. It's also a place where they'll, you know, they can all come back and kind of perform this, um, like this ritual to seal the evil again. But in order to do that, you kind of have to go to all the temples 
where evil has started emanating from um, ever since Ganon took over. I guess that's kind of how the Triforce functions, like, you know, the evil wish versus the righteous heart or whatever. And, you know, like, depending on what it is, you can either drive the land of prosperity or darkness. And I think that that prosperity or darkness probably comes from the sages and the temples, or I guess just the temples. The sages don't really get affected. Um, but yeah, so you are now kind of tasked with going through. But the other thing is that um, you have aged seven years. <laughs> yep, seven years have passed since Ganon took over. Right. Um, so he tells you not to be alarmed and to look at yourself. And the long story short, I'll say, is that you as a kid were not strong enough to fight Ganondorf. Um, you weren't powerful enough or courageous enough or wise enough really i think it just says powerful enough but still um you just didn't have what it took as a kid to to actually stop this evil um and i think they kind of they kind of showed you that already when ganondorf hit you with the light beam and that was kind of the end of it you also didn't have the master sword yeah right who knows if you could have wielded the master sword as a kid nor could you probably pick it up <laughs> you didn't do any lifting um now that you are I guess 17, <laughs> you are just at the right age to be the hero of time. Um, <laughs> and so you're able to leave the Temple of Light um, and kind of continue your journey as an adult Link. This would be a major point in the podcast if we hadn't already said that you will be adult Link at some point, <laughs> like a million times. So sorry for spoiling that. Yeah, I sort of dropped it a little early and like dropped it because I just couldn't hold it over, guys. I'm sorry, but... The game's been out for over 20 years. If you didn't know about Adult Link and Child Link, you, you <laughs> missed something. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that concludes this episode of the podcast. And this actually concludes the adventure of Child Link. We are now adventuring into the era of Adult Link and everything from here on out will be Adult Link, albeit from a few instances where we turn into a kid. But from most of the part, we will be an adult. And we're going to venture that way. Yeah. So, yeah. So next week, we'll start here from the inner sanctum of the Temple of Time uh, when we make our way back out, I, sh I guess, out of the cutscene, out of, you know, out back into the world and what happens. Um, and uh, we'll probably end up either covering the return to Kokiri Forest or um, honestly, the return to Kakariko. Or both. So yeah, be on the lookout for that. If you have any thoughts about those things, um, feel free to let us know. Yeah, and don't forget to check us out on social media. Also, don't forget to check out our Facebook channel where we actually do live streams from time to time. We don't actually have a schedule as of right of yet, but we do live streams from that channel as our man Ryan actually conducts those streams. So make sure you check those out if you want to see more of any Zelda games. Yeah, so... um. On Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you can find us at A for no, B for yes. That's letter A, number four, no, uh, letter B, number four, yes. Uh, or at our email at A for no, B for yes at gmail.com with the same spelling. Thanks for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed. Did you get all that? <laughs>